0: Verse Curious, the podcast of new poetry reviews. I'm Benjamin Landry. I'd like to take a moment before this episode to ask a favor. If you appreciate the work of Verse Curious in bringing you news of exceptional poetry, please take a second to scroll down to the bottom of the podcast page and leave a five-star rating. Doing so will help others discover Verse Curious for themselves, and will also help more readers discover these excellent collections of poetry. Thanks so much. And now on to the episode. Taken down from the bookshelf today is Aster of Ceremonies by Jerome Ellis, published by Milkweed Editions in October, 2023. In 2012, I had the good fortune to attend a touring production of the Philip Glass, Robert Wilson, Lucinda Child's opera, Einstein on the Beach in Ann Arbor. I remember moving sets in what I seem to recall as an oversized plexiglass coffin within and on top of which performers lay and moved. And of course I remember the vamping notes of the score, which I believe looped throughout most of the production's five hours. Imagine looping the credit score to the television show Stranger Things for an afternoon in a darkened room with a full audience. I cannot remember much else, but it was life-changing. Strangers would catch one another's eyes and seem to ask, can you believe this? And is this a bluff? One way I know it was not a bluff is that no one left the building early, so enwrapped were we by what a simplicity of elements was doing to us. Einstein succeeded in dilating time, and in the weeks following the performance I found myself moving with heightened care and attention. Jerome Ellis's Aster of Ceremonies accomplishes a similarly effective dilation of time via this innovative book which is part hymnal, part score, Ellis is a non-binary musician and poet who speaks with a significant stutter, and in this collection, rather than excise the stutters, Ellis makes them very much a presence in the work, and a welcome presence at that. For after many years of speech therapy and frustration, Ellis has discovered that, on the way toward intended speech, the stutter can function variously as a door, a river, a vessel a yellow window that rings with evening, a possibility and an expression of resistance. In Octagon of Water, Movement 2, Ellis insists, The stutter disperses silences, quiets, small homes for listening, small vocal fruit splitting. The stutter, technically successive stoppages, in Ellis's new conception of it, is all potential energy each repeated consonant, vowel, and phoneme, a seed. It might lie dormant for a while, nurturing, or it might fly off at just this moment, splitting its seed coat and taking root. With a speech impediment, Ellis writes, the instant can flower. Ellis describes their ancestors as gardeners, farmers, and ministers. These are not callings that engender haste, and they perhaps lead Ellis to adopt a recursive liturgical form with call and response, several benedictions, and several numbered poems entitled Prayer to My Stutter. We must recall that the central action of the book of Genesis is the naming of the things of the world, thereby bestowing identity in life. Rather than a null entity, the stutter names Silence, marks the stoppage. Ellis is wrapped by naming particularly plants, invoking them by both their common and scientific names. Ellis calls these plants elders, and in using fugitive slave bulletins to reimagine the self-liberation of their ancestors as they flee through the great dismal swamp, Ellis thanks the plant elders for, quote, creating the oxygen they breathed. Ellis imagines and thanks the flora of the Carolinas, Virginia, up through New York, which escaped slaves might have encountered on their way to freedom. We praise you, Elder Sea Coast Bulrush, Bulbusconus Robustus. We praise you, Elder Eagle Fern, Teridium Aquilinum. We adore you, Elder Zigzag Bladderwort, Utricularia sublate. We need you, elder slender wood oats, Casmanthium laxum. We adore you, elder blood sage. Ellis even remembers to thank both poison ivy and poison sumac, the knowledge of which would have been crucial to safe passage and evasion. The veneration of what must amount to hundreds of plants becomes a glassian vamp, the exhalations feeling hypnotic, the music of the anaphora becoming more important than the specific content. It put me in the mind of the sea's incessant chop, perhaps the middle passage, The collection is a profound act of honoring. With bars of musical notation woven through, the piece encourages our participation. Of course, the self-liberating slave would not have had the opportunity to thank each of the species which gave them sustenance or protection. That is the work of subsequent generations. And in being invited to name these plant elders through the act of reading, I was moved by both the profound beauty Of that which we barely take the time to notice, and the miracle of self-liberation, which must have felt like a chant or acknowledgment from an otherwise indifferent natural world. Ellis is also careful to make frequent land acknowledgments to the indigenous tribes through whose land the self-liberating slave gratefully passes. Two, I was reminded of all that is at stake in the ongoing sixth extinction. The entire enterprise is characterized by a productive tension between the potential energy of stopped speech and the contradictory delight of profuse naming. Ellis claims to have inherited their stutter from their mother and also notes a reported prevalence of stuttering among slaves. Could black disfluency be a form of ancestral wisdom, Ellis suggests? It would seem the stutter allowed these ancestors a moment of resistance to protect their true selves in the face of brutality. Late in the book, Ellis recalls being pulled over by a cop at night. There is the usual tense conversation at the driver's side window, as the officer asks where Ellis is headed with their taillights out. After a three-second stutter, Ellis replies, Dayton, does the cop now think I'm lying or concealing something? The encounter ends innocuously, but given the disproportional institutional violence enacted upon the bodies of people of color in America, Ellis is shaken that it could have ended very differently. Ellis may dwell artistically in the possibility of the stutter, but it, alongside so many other markers of difference, are considered with a general suspicion. Thus it is, with a bit of magical thinking, that Ellis arrives at the title of the collection. Briefly, Ellis sidesteps the stutter by downplaying the troublesome initial consonant M, and gives us instead aster of ceremonies. The self-mastery of the escaped slave is transmuted into ancestor, aster of their own destiny. The symbol is apt when one considers the arrangement of the aster, the radial symmetry the arresting central mouth and expressive spokes of color. It is a blossom that speaks volumes. Why do we need this poetry now? Jerome Ellis's Aster of Ceremonies is singular in its vision. Generous, propulsive, and honest, the book is a full liturgy of veneration. If you're looking for a book of poems that accesses history by looking deeply inward, a book that loves by acknowledging, a book equally at home in the microcosm and the macrocosm. This may be the book for you. That's it for this episode of Verse Curious. Much gratitude to Dever Sidel for our theme music, with production assistance from Ryan Miller. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating on Apple Podcasts at the bottom of the page and help others discover Verse Curious through the magic of the algorithm. Also, please subscribe, share, and and consider donating via the button on the Verse Curious Red Circle homepage with my thanks in advance. See you next time.